Okay, so would you have ever associated, if I said the word Peppa Pig, words Peppa Pig, to Jennifer Coolidge in your whole entire life? Uh, If I'm a horrible person, probably. You know, yeah, I could see that. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I kind of could see it, and that makes this even funnier. Um, So listen, we're kind of almost even in the middle of a conversation right now, but before we get to it, we're here. We're queer. Now Now give give me me my entertainment. Okay, so listen, I'm going to get right to it first. My name's Elias. My name is Chris. And this is the Airstreamers podcast, and we talk about uh, all things entertainment. Um, And today, we are going to be talking about the White Lotus finale, slash really all of White Lotus. I I think all of White Lotus. I think it's all fair game. Yeah, at this point, heavy spoiler alert for anyone who's listening, uh, you will be spoiled. So, so go do your homework, watch this show because it's so good, and then come back and listen to the podcast and rate it five stars. Yes, you of course rate it five stars, more stars than White Lotus, uh, although that's hard to beat. I also want to say that you do not need to see uh, season one per se, but I highly recommend you invest that time before getting into season two. I agree. I think it's definitely not required. It's not a requirement, but... You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch one because it's equally as good. A hundred percent. In very different ways, I kind of want to say. When I think back on some of the memes that I see of one, I'm like, oh, yeah, remember that? And remember those feelings and those problems and those situations? Um, And we also have a very special guest star uh, joining us tonight. Uh, Danielle Benito in a second will be here. Before we get to that, just to recap, this is spoiler territory. Okay, we're that's the last time. If something gets spoiled, it's on you. All right. <laughs> so, welcome, Danielle. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, thanks for being here, Danielle. Uh, Danielle is someone who's near and dear to the Airstreamers uh, as a whole. Uh, has been here since like really episode like fifty or whatever ish, and then we we went to the cabin. Remember that? That was a lot of fun. Danielle's been there. Um, and Danielle's a, really, I mean, the closest of friends you can you can have. Um, and so I want to say that Danielle is, for my whole life, my adult life, has been my TV watching buddy. She, yeah. oh, I, lo- I love that. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you're a I would say a literary connoisseur, and right. so I feel like it's very suiting for you to be on this talking about the depth that Mike White has provided us in this show. In this show, oh, I'm very excited to talk about it. <laughs> Danielle is uh, also a teacher and uh, does like uh, language language arts stuff. So you're you're not far from uh, the, uh, the like you said the literary per- perspective of entertainment and i love that you always bring it back to moments uh like that metaphor symbolism all that stuff i right? feel like you're really talking me up right now so i have to be <laughs> on my game Danielle suddenly like breaking up the journal and taking down notes. Um, she has a PowerPoint up. You just can't see it, folks, because this is a not a video podcast. Wait, I want to just share one of, one of my favorite memories uh, was when we were, I forgot what scenario, why we were there, but we were all hanging out and you broke out your 1984 slides and that made me laugh. But by the end of it, it made me read 1984. So you're excellent. 
I'm not that always ready, but that was a fun memory. That, that was, was really, really fun. fun but it's such a good book, right? I, know, it I think so that good. yeah, we both re. I read it in high school, but I I loved the book, and I think after that, then I reread it again. Yeah, I well, I had read it for the first time. I didn't read it for uh, since really. No, I don't think I ever read it because our school didn't read it. But one it final might have been your first time. It was, yeah, and it's really excellent, folks. If you've never watched uh, or read 1984, go read it. And that's another. Listen, we're giving a lot of homework I to know. folks. Let's let let them focus on the White Lotus, and yeah. then they can get to 1984. But no, I, I have a, another memory. I need to share this. It's important to just to set the stage for how close me and Danielle are within our entertainment spheres. Danielle, do you remember, and of course you will, the memory of us watching- No pressure. <laughs> the, uh, no, absolutely she will. The abducted episode of Six Feet Under. Yes, I do. Okay. And now, just to set the stage for how old we are, this episode aired at a time when there was no digital recording, there was no DVRs or whatever, and we had to watch at eight o'clock or whatever. What time was Six Feet Under on? Like nine? I want to say either nine or 10 because it was oh, HBO. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like it was a little bit later. So we watched the episode uh, together. Did like, we watch it at my house? No, we were separate. We were separate. I was on my, I remember okay. I was on my bed. You were home. And the moment the episode ended, we called each other and we're like, what? Yes. That was Truly. Did you call each other on the corded like the corded phone, and then you had your uh, legs like kicking up in the air, <laughs> like totally, pajama party pose? That's totally what it was. And I was it liter dead. literally was. You know what I actually was thinking of though? We watched Silence of the Lambs in my room on my little TV. Yeah, we did that, which like horrifying. That whole that whole also scene is horrifying. horrifying. Yes. Um, but anyway, all this to say that we are very well in tune with television, and a lot of the shows that I've ended up watching in life have been because of Danielle as well. Well, so, um, so tell us what the White Lotus is about first and foremost. Let's set the stage. Okay, Any so am I am I telling yeah, what yeah, it's about? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, this is a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, well, I feel like both seasons have a very common thread in the sense that it begins with one someone dying, and um, people are on a vacation. So season one was Hawaii. This this season was in Sicily. And the whole thing is sort of the inner workings of the different people who are vacationing, but you're trying to uncover who it is in that first episode that has died. Did I do okay? You did yeah, great. no, spot on. A plus. <laughs> I, um, I think that that little bit of intro with the death is all that we need as viewers to just be locked in and ready to go and be every episode, every moment we're like, are they the one? Are they, did the, is this them? Did it's they do always it them? lingering in the back of your yeah. mind in it. And it's so funny because I feel like there's so much else going on, but you're still always kind of thinking about that. And Mike White does a, such a great job of like teasing at it, like mm -hmm. kind of giving you a little bit of a path that, oh, this is where it's going to go down. And ultimately I didn't. I mean, uh, there was no way that I predicted what was actually happened at the end you know, of bonkers, season two. The coolest and funniest. It's the coolest thing, and it's like, thing yeah, but world. like you're always running through the, the scenarios. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're always wondering, but what I actually love that he does is like, I feel like there are certain shows where they'll start with this, you know, mystery and the episode might tie back and it sort of flashes back and forth. It doesn't do that. Like you just know in the first episode, someone dies and then it really doesn't bring it up again until the final episode. That's actually so the whole time, such a great it's like point. in the back of your head and yet there are moments where you do almost forget about it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I think, Absolutely. So, my, so it leaves it. It's always in the back of your mind, but it's not like thrown I, at you. I think that episode. is such a cool uh, observation. I, in my mind, that what you just said makes so much sense because other inferior shows do the whole reminder every episode and flashback or like you said or whatever. And, it, and then we get it. But I don't think that he does it where he's beating you over the head with this concept. He's very nuanced. In his writing, Mike White, which I still can't even believe he was on a freaking season of Survivor. That absolutely cracks me up. And we watched it. And I remember the the episode where he revealed to the cast members that he was a writer. And we were like, oh, that's cool. That was it. But I think he has had pretty big shows. Like, we just weren't aware yeah, of him. And exactly it. We weren't aware. And now I feel like he, with this show, has just really solidified his legacy. He has absolutely done that. And I think set a bar for himself sky high absolutely agreed and somehow i feel like season two was better i enjoyed season one so much that i almost felt like you hear of the sophomore slump like yep. I mean, is it actually going to be good can they do this again and somehow i just thought it was even better truly yeah i wonder what like is it that he had the comfort of success already behind him and then he could kind of be not worried about performing and making it better so he could i i don't know i mean like i agree danielle i think that season two was better and um i think he almost that nuance like that that you were mentioning that elias was talking about i think was elevated in the second season compared to the first it was a little bit more on the nose of like somebody died and like you, you they focused on that a little bit more than the second mm -hmm. season you mean in the first season they focused on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think also the end of the first season was a little bit um a little bit of a letdown, I will say. I don't think the first season landed the finale. And I think season two one bajillion percent landed the finale. And the difference was that in season one, spoiler alert, the the reality was that it was not anyone we knew or whatever, right, Danielle? Wasn't that the case? Like, the person we thought it was, it was not. Wait, for season one? For season one. Remember, we thought it was the, the wife, and then the wife comes back and says hi or something, and we realized that it was actually just another person, like, unrelated to anything. I just thought that was a little bit lackluster. Am I wrong? Am I, everyone's looking no, at me. No, wait, no. The, the person who died the first season, wasn't it... Um... Wasn't it the hotel guy? It was the hotel guy. It was Armand, right? Yeah, and Armand, I think, had gone, like, a, a, the reason why... Didn't we think it was his wife or something? That was the whole lead-up. That's what had happened. Yeah, but then they got to... This, the this the thing was that they got the they got divorced or were separated okay or, right after but, their honeymoon. but he but he um it's, it was like the awful husband and he ended up accidentally yeah. shooting that guy or the the um right hotel but, but yeah, at yeah, the yeah, very yeah. beginning when we when you're seeing the guy sitting down at the at the um 
thing or whatever. Um, and the old couple comes by and they said like, yeah, that's my wife or something like that. It seemed to suggest that it was going to be his wife that dies. And then it wasn't. Yes. 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 But my point is that after all mm-hmm. of this is said and done, the fact that we're even arguing as to what even happened in season one proves my point that it's not as successful as what happened in season two, because I will tell you going forward, I do not think we're going to forget what happened in season two. Well, I think you need to share with the the listeners um, who it was that died this season. Yeah. So Jennifer Coolidge, Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig <laughs> literally cannot even stand how much I love and cherish and adore Jennifer Coolidge. And she's one of the most vapid, rich, uh, self-centered characters that has ever existed on the planet. And she dies in the most vapid, selfish, self-centered way. She just fell off a boat and hit her head on the, on uh, a rich person's boat and fell and hit her head on a smaller boat because she couldn't figure out how to go down the stairs. Apparently. But um, after taking out like, a boat full of awful people. Of so awful gays. It was so all the awful, awful gays when she goes up and says that line. <laughs> and to the to the boatman, whoever he is, the captain, and she was like, These gays are trying to kill me. Oh, I can't. <laughs> it's so freaking funny. Now wait, I want to go back to the Peppa Pig thing because I think yes. that's worth talking about with the uh on previous podcast we talked about <laughs> when actors get to sprinkle in uh, their own contribution to to the show. You mentioned that. Who'd you mention that about? I mentioned that about Jennifer. Jennifer who? Coolidge. Oh, because of our White Lotus episode. Yes, yeah. a couple episodes ago. And I was, and it turns out that it seems like Mike is asking, and I don't know if this is commonplace, but asking people in certain spots to sprinkle in like improv and, um, the I've the new hotel. Uh, what's her what's name? Her name? Val, Valentina. The actress. The yeah. actress's name in the show is Valentina. She's a she's a very sort of I don't know strict person who has the rules that she follows, and uh, she's the host, the guest, the host of. She's probably like the, the director of the hotel. Yeah, and uh, Jennifer Coolidge's character is a very like hoity-toity person who just needs everything that she needs and it's very dramatic and all this stuff and all she wanted in this moment was to go ride on a Vespa with her beautiful pink like chiffon blowing in the wind and that was her fantasy and then she asks Valentina who am I who am I who do I look like and she says Peppa Pig Peppa Pig and apparently apparently Jennifer Coolidge lost her mind laughing over it and that that uh ended up making it to the show yeah like made the cut and i think that just speaks to exactly what we were saying the last time on the podcast where jennifer coolidge is probably just having a good time yeah and that it really shows through in her acting and that this is an an exact scenario where that could be off-putting like as a as an actress with quite a career behind her to be referred to as Peppa Pig because she's wearing (laughs) pink. And the fact that she just loved it and laughed it off is just really speaks to her character. Did you see that uh, reel or TikTok, Danielle, with her speaking about this? 
It's so Oh, wait, no, I didn't about her speaking about it. It was not Jennifer. It was about Valentina telling the story because the interviewer who was interviewing her said, oh, let's talk about that Peppa Pig line. And now at this point, Valentina has not yet seen the show. Um, she's just reacting to all of what has happened in the press. And she goes, oh, my God, wait, that's in it. That's in it. And got super excited to share with the interviewer that that line remained in it, that they like that Mike White put it in there and kept it because that meant like what she did worked. And the, and the reason why it was it was shocking for her is because like Chris was saying, she was, Jennifer was laughing so much that they had to like piece together that scene. Cause it affected Jennifer. Like it was like a, it was like a moment where they really didn't have much footage to work with, but they spliced something together to, to they somehow that. made it work. Yeah. I mean, it's just hysterical. <laughs> and I have to say, I have uh, two and a half year old nieces who are obsessed with Peppa Pig. So I feel like it's just the, the image and now all of the like memes. It just cracks it's me up every so time. so freaking funny. Um, I, have, <laughs> I have a question for you, Danielle. You know, the, the model of television distribution that we thought was going to upend, or we thought that Netflix was going to upend it by instead of weekly releases, we um, we for years were treated to like all at once release. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on the success of that versus weekly releases? Like, what's your opinion on which do you think works better? You know, I think as a lover of television, I like the balance of both. Like, I so like I'm super excited. You guys, I don't think you watch Emily in Paris, right? But that's back. Um, and like, I'm super excited to binge watch that. But I also think there is something to be said for every Sunday night, knowing that your show is going to be on. Um, so I think I like the balance. I agree. I think that uh, I, I do like the time off to digest and discuss because I think mm -hmm. part of the joy of watching TV is not only just watching it, but then talking about it with, with friends. And so when you binge watch, a lot of that gets lost, especially if you're following that binge model, like straight through. Yeah. That's my thing. And it I, is. And I think HBO has a good way of, of having it's Sunday night being that night of TV. So whether it's, you know, Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon or Succession, like these big shows that are on on Sunday nights so that you have something to talk about then on Monday. I feel like HBO is one of the fewer, one of the few um, networks that still somehow produces water cooler shows. Um, I remember learning about this word back when I used to work at Barnes and Noble. Not the Ooh, excuse me, not the term um, water cooler. I know what that is, but in reference to entertainment, I don't even think you knew of it before we, me, me and Chris started dating. Um, but it's this idea that you're going to go around the water cooler at your job and discuss whatever big moment happened in the show prior. And there were many of those moments that we had as like, you know, when we were younger. Nowadays, I feel like those moments are more, oh my God, tell me when you get to episode five. Or, oh, let me, t you know, I can't wait for you to see such and such. And, like, it's not That's quite a great the same point. Yeah. as now, like, for, for White Lotus. When the scene happened, I'll just say it, when the nephew, when, when Jennifer Coolidge's character, Peppa Pig, walked in and saw the nephew oh my God. having sex with his uncle, that was a shock-worthy water cooler moment that we all talk about the next day. And in a weird sort of cultural moment, we all collectively have um, 
time to process and discuss and then create some sort of narrative amongst ourselves that then follows us into the next week. And then I think when you think of the binge model, that's gone. Like no, unless you are with a small group of people who all watch it at the same time, you're not going to really get that as much as you would when it's, you know, the HBO sort of model. I agree. And I think what shows have started to do too, and I don't know, like the example I can think of is Stranger Things in the sense that it almost splits the seasons. And I know a lot of it maybe has to do with how they're filming it, but I also wonder, are they doing that so that it does create that sort of pseudo water cooler that you're then going to wait for the final two episodes? Totally. That could be. Uh, I think that it's very much that. I do have to say that. that scene that you're talking about, I feel like both seasons of White Lotus, in a sense, it starts with a bang with the murder, but then it's like a slow burn to get mm-hmm. to um, that moment. And I think as soon as that happened... I mean, just my jaw. It was just questions after questions (laughs) of what is happening. Who are these people? And the funniest part, honestly, is we still don't really know. All we know are that these people are high level gays, as uh, as Jennifer said. And they my assumption and correct me if I'm wrong, if this is sort of what I got out of it. My assumption is her ex-husband who left seemed to want to create a scenario where she dies and her prenup is no longer valid because of the fact that she's dead. And so she hires these high class gays to do whatever they need to do to make it look like she's killed. Right. And then therefore he gets all the money. Yeah, and I that think he I'm... would then pay them because you know right. and when um what was his name the the nephew Jack is that his name yeah Jack or so when Jack sort of said like these are powerful people but then he does make um some sort of reference to him not having money but then being able to come back into money so I'm wondering like then would he have given them some sort of pay yeah I think so them? so the her husband Jennifer Coolidge's husband would get the payout from her dying. And then he would pay these mobsters, and then the mobsters would pay this mm-hmm. the the boy. So the but like then, if you think what's so ridiculous about the story is that all of that happened, and now the husband is getting the money and not having to pay any of them because they're all dead. Oh my God, I never thought about that. So it's like now he came into a crazy windfall. Yeah, wow. And I think what something that I I have to say I love about the show in general, and I might be jumping a little bit all over the place, but the idea that you, it, it ends in such a, you know, oh my goodness kind of way, but there are still so many things you don't know. Like you really don't know his relationship with the British guy. I don't, I don't remember his name. The you uncle, don't know like if Jack was uncle, really right? his nephew or how they knew each other. Right. You don't, you don't know, like did something happen between Ethan and Daphne? Did something happen between yep. Cameron and Harper? Like you actually, like you might have in your mind what you think happened, but nothing is actually. Did something happen between Ethan and Cameron? I mean, there's just that one little moment in there. There was a lot of sexual tension. There was a million percent. I think sexual like tension. between, it, it was never explicitly talked about, but I feel like it was, it was present. Alluded to, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, for when, sure. when Cameron says to Ethan as they're laying on the bed, he literally says, "I want to be inside of you. I want to feel you inside of you," and then he's like, "Oh, stop it! Knock it off." 
what? Like, and then it just, they're back to normal. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the most insane level of sexual chemistry that they have. But then also the other way with um, E. Cameron and uh, Harper. Is that her name? Yeah. And I honestly think, I know, again, we're jumping around a little bit. I do think what you want. Something, I think something happened between Daphne and Ethan because that's what made him able to like be intimate with his wife again, because I think it's like, he needed to be like, okay, I'm going to have an affair too, or I'm going to cheat too. Yeah. Cause I think that that's what Daphne Wait, done. tell like, me that like, again. Do you think have... that, that Cameron, I'm sorry, Ethan and Daphne had something? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because oh. when she took him like in that, by, by the rocks, by the water, and you yeah. see, she kind of leads him there. And then as wow. soon as that happens, he's actually able to have sex with Harper. Like wow. I think it's that. I'm shocked. And, and that was her whole thing with saying like her trainer, like she gets past Cameron having affairs because, you know, she says, I have a trainer. Can and even that, it's acting? alluded to- that that's the, her son is the trainer. The trainer kid, son. Cause... Yeah, that was shocking. Mm-hmm. The way that she described the trainer that we all thought it was going to be a, like an adult male as blonde hair, blue eyes or whatever. And then they show the kid and it's blonde hair, blue eyes and has nothing to do with um, Cameron. Yeah. Shocking. But still, I mean, speaking of these unanswered questions and where things could potentially go and still maybe be loosely connected to this season if you think like that whole weirdness where she uh, Daphne was talking about uh, Cameron's job situation and how they had a lot of weirdness going on with money and financials and everything. And so is that an opportunity to kind of plug into like something else going on with them? You mean going forward, going forward in like say season three where, you know, we get a perspective of like, I don't know, a business trip or something. Sure, sure. Add, yeah, because I had yeah. read something that, well, there was two things. I read um, the idea of it almost being like cyclical, where it's like season one, the person who came back was Jennifer Coolidge, and then season three would someone from season two come back. And they did talk about going to the Maldives. They said there was a white lotus in the Maldives. That was a conversation that the couples had. So oh, it would be interesting yeah. to see if they went there and brought them back. Interesting. I but would they bring back four characters? That seems like a lot. I think it's excessive and kind of ruins well, the little like I mean, flow it, of that. Yeah, but if you think like the Jennifer was really close to Belinda and that was like sort of something um in the past. She had the husband. The husband came back loosely. Yeah. In this. And so if say Ethan and uh um Harper get divorced and it's like Ethan and Cameron now have See, some I business venture. Opposite. I think it would be really cool if Daphne and Harper went. I don't think oh. that their connection is as strong though. Like well, we already I saw imagine, them though uh, away, like on a trip. We saw them for a whole episode going to what was the name of that place? Taramina or something. Like if Ethan and if Ethan and Cameron had some weird business dealings when they get back from the trip, and then that ropes Ethan in to some scenario where they have business partners who are going to a white Lotus together to celebrate something that could potentially snowball. I think that the relationship with Daphne and Harper is too superficial. Like that they're like Ethan and, and Cameron are legitimate 
friends like it seems yeah well they but, but for sure. i think on the other side i feel like daphne and harper were like the breakout stars of the show like i'm much more interested in seeing what would happen to them that's the that's what i think i believe too than, yeah that no that's I true love, yeah. i love theo james um he was on one of my he's tbs cute. shows that i used to watch but he's totally cute um i do have to say i want to i want to talk about uh uh daphne's acting she can tell a whole story with like very little her facial reactions. And this is probably why she's like a breakout star and as well as Aubrey Plaza um, as Harper, who's I, I'm like, I'm like, I want to be best friends with her. Like, I think she looks beautiful all the time. I want to wear all the clothes that she's wearing. She looks remarkable. But Daphne, when she revealed that last line about how you just have to learn to deal with it, with like this idea that your husband's cheating on you and you just have to sort of do what you need to do to get by that, haunting. Mm -hmm. Her face is haunting. With the way her eyes move, the way her lips move, her nose, she's like sort of teary-eyed, but like sort of not. And then it just quickly shifts back to like normal life. And that was it. That was the closest yeah. we got to see vulnerability in, in Daphne. I really have to give a shout out to the casting director. And probably I'm sure Mike is really involved in this yeah. because there were so many really breakout stars in in the show. The um, The escorts were another great ad for oh, the, they were the characters. Absolutely amazing. And they're, they're real-life best friends. Did Did you, you yeah, that? I saw that on Twitter, or uh, I guess when I had Twitter, like a week ago, I saw that. Um, they were be our best friends for 10 years, and they auditioned together, and they got the role. How freaking cool is that? The uh, yeah. Peppa Pig, the director of the hotel. Valentina, who I think is actually another... a pretty big actress in Italy, from what I understand. So it's more that she's broken into like uh, the states, like a yeah, like a U.S. Yeah. show. Um, and I love her. I think she's great. I found videos of her like at pride parades, screaming about stuff at pride parades. She's she's like a lovely person. I always just now I think back of like okay, uh, season one, and there were the actors there who had success. Yeah, and now I think all of these people did a fantastic job. And you would think, well, their reward is they've done such a great job that they'll get another season. And yeah. the real, I think, disservice and I, it, is that Mike they White. don't. Yeah, Mike White. He they don't get no. a, yeah. He's, he's, he's putting they, artistic integrity above it. But they get to sort it. of end it on top. Like, it's not like that moment where, okay, it becomes stale. It's totally, more, you know, totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that the model is broken. I'm saying that, like, it's just sort it's, of know, sad almost because yeah. they have such great roles they do such a great job and now knowing that they're uh sprinkling in their own little parts to the story like peppa pig and yeah. probably the the part where she says that's the weirdest voice i've ever heard oh how funny was that do you remember that line danielle it was jennifer coolidge just walking past with porsche which porsche can we talk about porsche porsche is another I, I great was, breakout i was actually just gonna bring her up i think porsche is amazing and i have to say one when we talk about subtlety and acting I really loved um, the nephew. Like, I loved Jake. Because there was that moment where Portia kind of is letting him know she doesn't have her phone. And, and she's, like, at that point, she's scared. Like, she's realizing that mm. something is up. And you see this, like, sort of happy-go-lucky, you know, kid that he was. And suddenly, he just turns dark when he's in yeah. the car. Like, you just see his face yeah. just, like, was that all an act? Was he just hiding behind it in that moment? Because he's now, you know, beholden to these guys um, that, you know, I, I just, 
and then when he throws the phone, it just was. Yeah. No, I it's pretty wild. Brilliant. It's real wild. And it, it, like you said, it takes that shift and it takes someone as sort of funny and comical as Portia into some real dark territory real quick because then it's like, wait, is she going to be the one who dies? Because at this point we still didn't know. And when he says to her, get out of the car and whatever, like wait or walk to the airport, whatever he says, it's haunting to know that he had intentions to do something to her. We don't know what those intentions were, but he he somehow, I guess her personality somehow brought the goodness out of him and he was able to step away from the like deal and and be the honorable person in a way and say but now is he, and no. maybe now he's free too because of what happened. Yeah, I read somewhere and I don't know that this is true that he it might be a story about him. Um, I thought forward. he was a breakout star too. Yeah. I, I really, I thought he was amazing. And I have to say, I have such a crush on Albie and I looked him up and I realized that he's actually in his thirties, which made me feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. And I love the family dynamic between the three of them and talk about subtle. And I guess this was really not subtle. This was on the nose, but when all of them looked at the hot girl walking by at the end amazing. in a row, amazing. amazing. Oh, How far apart those three generations are in terms of what their ideal are and yet they're deep down really. they're really similar people and i have to say the albie and portia conversation at the end there was absolutely perfect icing on the cake i saw a meme where they were both talking but they had clown makeup on and that made me laugh a lot to each other because they both got completely swindled uh -huh. in completely different ways yeah he lost 50 euro 50 000 euro because uh prostitute basically or no, an escort, I guess. She's an escort because she has the pimp man. So No, but she didn't really have the pimp man, though, because the, he was he the, was, the oh, hotel right, right, guy. Right, he was right. from the other hotel. He was basically in it in the same way as uh, her friend is in it. Like, they're all just in it together, I they're think. They're all right? just in it together. And I yeah. have to say, the fact that, like, you know, Albie was very sort of, you know, self-righteous and, and, you know, but then at the end that he was willing to just put in a good word to his mother for his dad. Like, he really is yeah. not all that different yeah. from, his, from his father. Yeah, that's no. Interesting point. Totally, totally. And I love that the fa the father slept with her, the son slept with her, and then the grandfather saw her naked. It's just, you can't even make any of this up. It's so funny. And the grandfather walking around with that stupid little bandage on his head the whole time cracked me up. I don't know why that was <laughs> and funny was to me. And he was And Michael yeah. Imperioli is amazing. Christopher from Soprano. Yeah, he's yeah. Just he so was good. great. I thought he was great. Now, I mean, speaking of all of, and I know we're probably coming up on time, um, but I, I do have a an important question knowing that we have all of these breakout stars and Jennifer Coolidge obviously has been a staple from season one and two. Now that she is not going to be in season three, are we concerned? Like, is there, can I tell you something really funny? And I, I didn't tell you this, Danielle. I think I told Chris this. I read somewhere. Can you imagine if Mike white writes in Jennifer Coolidge's what's her name? Um, Tanya. Yeah. If he writes in Tanya's twin sister. <laughs> no. See, like, that would be a jump the shark moment. I was dead when I read that. I'm like, that's so freaking funny. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, ultimately, it would be a jump the shark moment. But um, like the idea of Jennifer Coolidge, like, sh like, essentially, he, she like shoots all these guys. And then like, it's like, why didn't she just walk down the stairs to the boat? Like, I know. she just tries it's to so jump and hits her. I mean, it's just so beyond. It's so ridiculous. And, you know, I think I mentioned this um, when we were chatting about this as it happened. I think 
the filming of her shooting at them was also brilliantly done because you did not see her uh per, you didn't see her perspective from like her eyes to the sh- to the people you saw the perspective of the the no- uh, nozzle what's the front of the gun called yeah it was almost like uh it was like doom like but Wolfenstein. But reverse. I'm saying you saw from what's the the front of the gun called? The the hole of the gun. Um Is it the the, the nozzle? No, nozzle? I, oh, I was gonna say nozzle and then I felt but like But I that think was it's wrong. not muzzle. The bullet faucet. The bullet faucet, yeah. The thing that shoots <laughs> the, the bullet ejector. The camera's there and you see her face. So you're oh, seeing you're her right. face it the whole time. Just her panicking. Yes, it's her panicking. A total break like Well, I mean it's and it's, it's her panicking. Shots. And I also think it's so like it was just when she's looking through the bag and she sees like rope and duct tape. It's like it like almost like as if like somebody was saying like what would a murderer need to have in a bag? Like Literally. it just was so yeah. ridiculous the whole thing. Oh, um, I can't. When she walks around the by them eat, having food and then like slowly and then when she cu- cuts the corner and runs, ah, oh, it's the funniest scene. That show, <laughs> so many memeable moments exist. So many, and I can't even stand how much fun it was watching the whole thing. Um, and I can't even believe that it was better than season one. I agree that it was so better. I guess my question is, who would you both want to see it follow? I would like to see it follow Harper and Daphne next season. Like that would be like my cycle. Like that would be the the two characters I would want to come back. Okay. I really like Portia, and it would be funny to see Portia living a life. Like, say that there was, you know, some change in the will, and Portia got a substantial amount of money, and that how does she sort of adjust to this lifestyle, having been where she like where she came from. Um, I also just like her character a lot. I think that she's uh, an interesting person and I would like to see what sort of craziness happens with her. So you literally just stole the words out of my mouth because I was going to say Portia for the reason of, can you imagine if there's a situation in the will where, and we didn't even talk about this beforehand, in the will where she gets money and now we see her living a life of luxury with knowing where she came from, which was nothing. Yeah, yeah. That would be funny, but I can't pick that. So I would probably say, uh, probably controversially, I would really like to see more of the singer of the two prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I genuinely think she's a really good person. I know that sounds crazy, but I think she's like a lovely person. And the fact that she was willing to like be with the Valentina just to give her this sort of lesbian experience. And then the fact that she was like going to be with the priest just because she knew whatever the situation, well, not the priest, the, um, the old man who had like a heart attack. The pianist. The- yeah. The penis. Pianist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that whole thing was great. And I also think her friend, the mean one of the two, is like gorgeous. And I would love to see more of her regardless. But uh, that would be an interesting story to see. But the problem is with that, it would be kind of in Italy again. And I think it's, I would like to move on from. from I would too. And that makes me sad because I really think Valentina added such uh, yeah. so much to the show. Yeah. More than I think Armand added. I feel like Valentino was like yeah. way elevated. She fed the cat. I know. How Even cute. those little tiny moments are so important yeah. in the storytelling, like that she doesn't have companionship. And so she's sitting there on the side of the 
road like she doesn't nobody at her job likes her because she's yeah she's put up this this mm-hmm. wall that she's now eating lunch with the the stray cats mm. but still is caring enough that she's feeding them like it's all these little bits that are sprinkled There's in layers to all so of many characters. layers it's real nice world building um final thing i want to talk about danielle is your episode two season one okay you, okay. you put it on you hear a theme song and you're, I want to know those feelings, but then I also want you to tell me what the feelings were season 10, uh, or season two, episode 10 theme song. So tell me what your trajectory was when you first heard season two's new theme song versus how you felt by the time it ended. Wait, this, the, the theme song to White Lotus? Yes, yeah, at the, start season, of, at, the start at the start of season, season two. two, and then how did it change by the end of season two? I think in... in did it come on only the second episode or was it not on the first episode? No, it was on the first episode. I'm saying okay. of season two because the theme song is different. Let me be clear. The theme song from season one, which was excellent, was not the theme song for season two. It changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so my I mean, question I'm obsessed is. With the, I'm obsessed with the theme song from season two. I, completely I think that obsessed. I thought the opening credits were um like a little strange the first time I saw it. I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. this is different. Yes, yes. Um, but then by the end, like it might as well be my ringtone. Like I just was obsessed. So. <laughs> that is what I wanted to hear. And Season- that is so identifiable. <laughs> the moment it starts, you're like, I know this. It's so This is more good. identifiable than the Jeopardy theme song. I feel it's, like it's, it's in like my brain. It's going to look Everybody forever. will know this as season yeah, two, and I think The that, White Lotus. Like, went- viral too in a sense yes. like the, the song even well, more than season one i that's I just what think i mean I really yes bravo to and him. season two when it started i remember thinking and and excitedly waiting for the theme song because i remember the weird sort of tropical vibe of season one wherever they were and when the music started i'm like okay this is different it's like a little bit renaissance style which was intended because of the italy thing and then it starts getting this like beat and then at some point in the midst of it, we're in a gay club in a rave by the end of yeah. the, by it, which I walked away from it. And I'm like, wow, that's like really dramatic. And like, that's a lot. And then like it, you it said, was, it was, it was a lot. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then by season 10 or whatever the final or season two, episode 10, whatever the final episode was literally, it may as well be my ringtone. I, I, I wanted to play all the time ever. as I walk around, it's so freaking good. So, Look, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And I look Thank forward for me to uh, all of the wild success this episode will have, the millions of people who will listen to it, and only five-star ratings. You know, we want you to rate it. Uh, let us know what you thought about Danielle. And uh, we look forward to doing this again in the future with whatever the next sort of big water cooler show will be. Can I make a request? Yeah. I think that you both should catch up on Succession and then we should do this again. That sounds great. I, that's been on my list of things. You're that I missing to watch, out. So. It's so good. We, that's it's also, that is, is that's an HBO show. show? That's an HBO, yeah. Um, yeah. It would have been fun if at some point we did a like a severance um discussion you know oh there's a lot to discuss there well now yeah i mean like the thing with danielle is like she when we get onto the same wavelength of shows it's like you could we can be here for another four hours you know so So. anyway thanks again for tuning in uh to another episode of air streamers podcast danielle thanks so much for being here and we'll see you all next time yes thank you danielle bye Bye, everyone thank you Bye. bye